Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome back to the Out of Spec Podcast. I'm joined by Forrest Jones, Austin Schieffer, and Kyle Connor. We're going to talk about cars, things we've been driving, things we would like to drive, and anything that comes to mind. So let's get going. Um, first of all, Forrest, we were just talking pre-show. Uh, I want to talk about some of the things you've been driving, which have been great and not great. Uh, do you want? To, which one do you want to start with? Lamborghini STO, please. Oh, yeah, let's start there. STO was... Very, very good and very disappointing at the same time. Really? Wait, can you tell us about the car a little quick? Because I'm not really well-versed on Lamborghini. So this is a Huracan, which is the smaller version of the Aventador with a V10. Yes. But then the highest performance, but it's only rear-wheel drive. Can you explain this? Yes. So the Huracan, obviously, entry-level, quote-unquote entry-level <laughs> Lamborghini. V10, 699 a month leases. Yep. Wow, no. <laughs> no <laughs> Entry level. Competes with the Mercedes CLA. <laughs> yeah, right. That'd be crazy. Um, what else? And STO, Super Trofeo, Homologato, which I guess is like <laughs> the homologation <laughs> kind of car. <laughs> it sounds like gelato flavor. <laughs> Dude, it sounds like um, it sounds like a like a breakfast omelet or something. Um, <laughs> Amelato, <laughs> super trofeo omelet. Um, so yeah, it's only rear wheel drive. Unlike a, a a standard, I mean, a standard Evo, you can get it in rear or all wheel drive. The rear wheel drive is to save weight compared to the Performante that they used to have, which was all wheel drive. This is roughly the same power, six thirty horsepower, but this is like four hundred plus pounds lighter, hmm. and like you can feel this is less sound deadening, thinner windshield um no back window just like those louvers and then no mats you just have like a carbon tub exposed on the floor and then your seats are carbon buckets that feel like roller coaster seats like they're cold and hard and you get in you're just like i'm scared (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then you don't have door handles you have the little pull straps the like nylon 
Oh yeah, which are cool, dude. They're so sturdy. Like I, I think people think that they're literally just like ribbons, but they're like super sturdy straps. Like you pull on it, and it's like good stuff. Um, That's where all the weight savings comes from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, then of course you have like crazy vents, vents in the hood, fender vents. You have massive wing on the back. Um, Jordan, do you have a picture of this thing you can pull up? Yeah, I'm working on that now. Dude, here you want me to send you a picture? Oh sure. For I'll send you, I'll send you the call? exact one. It was like three hundred thirty thousand, but you know because it's Lamborghini, that means like five hundred grand if you buy it from a dealership. So is that because <laughs> of markup or because of options? I'd say because of markup. but it's limited edition run. You know we're still on the whole chip shortage crisis, uh, so easily I can expect dealerships to charge five hundred k for that thing. Is so this a situation where you have to have like three Lamborghinis already to even be considered to let buy one or is this like I don't is it like a ferrari so. type situation no i don't think so i i think ferrari is the only one that does that i think lambo does it on like things like the centenario or like the the crazy crazy lamborghinis i just sent you the picture jordan yeah i'm doing the uh I could lost permission. Drop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keep talking. I'll be right back. Chrome is stupid. <laughs> Mac OS is stupid. That's a that's a rant for another day. So okay, hold on. So this is roughly, let's just say, three fifty to five hundred grand. If you yes. like, you know, but but the thing is, these are limited production, small volume vehicles yes. that will hold their value for years to come. Because I just read a story. We actually reported it on Sword of Autos that twenty twenty two this year will be the last year Lamborghini launches. Now, keep in mind, their vehicles last many model years, but this is mm-hmm. the last launch of a combustion-only Lamborghini. Yeah, I can believe it. That's going to be insane. So, you know, plug-in hybrid stuff, we've already seen SF90 from Ferrari, for example. But um, what, obviously, I guess from my side, because I don't get to drive a lot of supercars, mm-hmm. how do you approach evaluating an STO. Obviously you've driven other Lamborghinis, but then mm-hmm. have you driven every version of the Huracan to like feel the, the minuscule differences that the STO brings? Um, I know you're in LA, you get cars. How, how do you say that the STO is measurably better than another if you don't take it to the track? So here's the thing. So I have driven the Evo, which is just a standard Huracan. I've driven the drop top version of the Evo, I haven't driven the Performante, so for me, just excluding that is probably better because now I get to go straight from the STO um, to the Evo. But then I've also driven the competition, like the McLaren 600LT or like a 7, well, not 720S, but there's a 765LT. And then um, who else is there? I haven't driven any, any of the Ferrari competitors. I haven't driven any Ferrari, actually. But just based on those two, right, Lamborghini McLaren, those are kind of the two that people cross shop most anyways. Um, I would take the McLaren, dude. So the Lambo's great, but I would expect that one to have like a lot more theater and drama because it's Lamborghini. Like that's what they're known for, you know? And if I would have taken it to the track, I'm sure my experience with this car would have been a whole different story. I really liked it. It was super, super fun. It was great. Um, but there's two people that'll buy this. There's the person that's actually going to take it to the track. There's the person who lives in my area who's going to drive it up and down Pacific Coast Highway and never 
see any sort of circuit. Yeah, you know and just I mean? straight pipe it and rev to max all the time. Okay, so here's the thing. They would have to straight pipe it. If you keep that thing stock, I would take a standard Evo for like cruising up and down PCH over the STO. Not just because of the hard suspension and the hard seats, but like the sound is better on a standard Evo. I don't know what it is about the STO. Really? I wonder if it has to do with the new uh, gasoline particulate filters or Euro 6 or 7 emissions well, that somehow they don't just make a US version. Do you know? It would have to be because like um, in the STO, first of all, when you start it, it's like sort of loud, but then once you know the engine gets up to temp, it just gets really quiet. And no matter what mode you go in, there's three different modes. When you go into the race mode, it's in like Italian, so I don't even know how to pronounce it, but if you, at least like Trofeo or something. But you go into that mode and the exhaust doesn't change at all. It stays the same. And no matter what mode you're in, the exhaust won't open up until like 46, 4700 RPM, which is like really hot. So there's a flat position. There's got to be like a fuse that you can just leave it open. Dude, maybe, but I didn't look enough into the owner's manual to figure that out. But dude, so like you'll be driving and it doesn't even sound good below 4700. It's just like a bunch of mechanical hash behind you, a bunch of transmission hash noise. And then once you get to 47, it opens up and then like, Gates of hell open up. You have all the V10 noise, all the crackles, all the pops. <laughs> but then if you like, let's, let's say you're revving up, you get to 5,000 and you downshift, it'll immediately go from loud to quiet because the second it drops below 4,700, it just goes back to like no noise. And so just cruising around, you like randomly go from really loud to really quiet to really loud to really quiet. And it's really annoying. That's insane. So you would say the STO isn't the menacing emotional device that maybe it's pitched as? Not unless you intend on taking it to a track like 75% of the time. Mm, See so the like difference? trailer behind the Urus to the track, yeah. rip it, and then come back. But then like, wouldn't it technically be faster if you got an all-wheel drive version? Well, the... Obviously, the rear-wheel drive only is supposed to save weight, but it has a lot more steering feedback. Like, it has a lot more front-end communication, which is super nice. That makes sense. Um, it feels like it rotates a lot better. Yeah, um, I imagine it would just be an insane tail-happy monster on a wet day. I don't know, dude. That wing's pretty massive. So I think if you get enough heat in the tires and then you use and a lot of downforce, yeah. yeah, dude, that thing will grip. Uh, even just, like, launching it with traction off, it was really hard to get the rear rear tires to spin out. Plus, it had like Corsa tires on it. So yeah, but I was gonna say it's yeah. rubber that <laughs> they have to replace too. every loan. Yeah. So, but the difference with like the McLaren, like the 600 LT, which is a track focused car, it's it has the crazier seats. It has their seats are like from the Senna, like those weird single thin carbon buckets, right? That don't bend are, in the back. <laughs> they don't, but those yeah. are like more comfortable. I can sit in those longer, huh. um, which is weird. And then the McLaren, though, I think it, even though it's not a V10, even though it's like twin turbo V8, I think it sounds pretty cool. You hear a bunch of turbo whistle because it has that hood scoop. So the, so the STO yeah. had a hood scoop, but it's not giving you any extra. Yeah, because there's no turbos to suck in air. Yeah, but with the McLaren, the hood scoop means you get a lot more turbo noise. And then because it has those top mounted exhaust tips, if you're driving it at night and you're really hammering it, you can see all the flames coming out of the exhaust, like on a stock car. It's so sick. So 
it sounds like a pretty serious machine. I think, you know, a lot of people will buy this as an investment vehicle. They have relationships with the Lamborghini dealers. They have an mm -hmm. allocation secured. They'll get the car, spec it well, keep it low mileage, maintain it and sell it off in 10 years. And honestly, my guess is this will be one of those cars that holds its value incredibly well because in another 10 or 20 years, we may not have cars like this anymore. Maybe. Um, I don't know. It's, it'll, it'll be pretty interesting because I think if I had to guess between the two, you put 10 years from now and you see which one is worth more, the Performante or the STO. I don't know why. I feel like the Performante would be worth more for some no, reason. That's I don't know why. It just it just feels like it was the more special car when it came out. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot more fanfare than STO. Yeah, because STO, I don't really – even now, I don't hear a lot about it. The only way I hear about it is, do you know uh, Tim Shmi 150? He yeah. bought one? Yeah. And so he's done this whole crazy build and he's got his STO that he's doing. And that's that's the only way I've heard about the car was through his channels. And uh, Jordan, you and I talked to him about it in Vegas when we saw him recently. And uh, it's a really sweet machine. But even he's like, that's his first Lambo. Um, I don't know. I'm curious. I'd, I'd be curious to see what he thinks about it compared to a Performante, which he's driven. Mm -hmm. Performante is a great name. I know STO is an acronym, but when you just have the letters STO, I just think, oh, this is some Ford trim. XLT, STO, Lariat. Yeah, yeah. S and, then the, and then there's the like Evo. SHO. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? The super uh, high output tours. I, I love, yeah, I love Performante. But Dude. STO is interesting. But what did you drive after that? So you gave that, how long did the Lamborghini let you keep that for? Three days. Okay, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, it was like dropped off midday uh, the first day, full had it for day, one full then, day, and yeah. then like around noon the third day. So Fair. technically two full days. But enough to get a couple TikToks in with it. Oh, yeah, dude. TikTok loves that car. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that was the M5CS. And like, you know the M5CS when I was – you know the M5CS is a good car when I was genuinely more thrilled with that car – than I was with the That's what I was going to ask because I follow you on Instagram. Great uh, Forest review, Forest Auto Reviews official, right? Yes. And so I, I follow you on Instagram. You had more posts or stories about M5 than you did the Lamborghini. Yeah, dude. It's That's just, how you know. Yeah, it's, it's good, dude. It's really, really good. Like, it's an impressive machine. And I was like, dude, this is like, this is like the BMW. Because I would never, when I started reviewing cars, I didn't start reviewing cars whenever like the good BMWs were around because everyone was always talking about like the early 2000s and like those BMWs and like the old V8 M3. And so when like the F, I get the BMW. F80 M3 was after the V8. Yeah. With the, yeah, when they went back to the inline six, right? Yep. So that's when I started reviewing cars and everyone's like, ah, it's too peaky. It's too this, it's too that. And so getting into this one i was like dude if i imagine what those old m cars were like it would have to be like this that's so good to hear because i uh am a huge bmw enthusiast but i feel like over the last few years they've lost their way they've lost lost their charm their mm -hmm. 
softer, but then way harsher in the suspension department and not really enthusiast cars. I feel like they really missed out on steering. Their drive trains were almost too flat where there was no engagement when you rev it all the way out. Uh, and, and now it seems like, you know, the current gen M three, I haven't driven. You have, um, that doesn't seem to fancy my interest if, if you get what I'm saying, but then you get this, which captures my attention. First off, I think it's the best looking BMW ever. I mean, this is right up there with E39 M5 and, uh, gold or yellow running lights. When the car is stopped, does it stay moving with the yellow lights? Yeah, so like I guess in Canada it doesn't for some from what I saw from okay, like straight pipes and turtle house, um, but here th- that's what the daytime running lights look look like at that time of day. It was so when the headlights come on at night, so they were technically on right here. I just had to flip the switch um, to like park or the yeah parking, parking lights. Light. Yep, but at night the outside because there's two little like whatever you want to call them. There's four total like little headlight things. Well, they used to be angelized. Now they're L's. Yeah, they're like L's. There we go. There's like four like L's. And at night, only the outside L's are yellow and the inside ones are like your normal headlight color. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the headlights themselves are like that bluish white color. Sure. But Um, damn, does this thing not look amazing in parking lights with this matte green on gold wheels with the gold lights. Dude, it's sick. And you got the more aggressive hood. And then, yeah, during the day when you're rolling around, it looks like a Le Mans car or something, dude. Just like those yellow lights and they're <laughs> super vibrant during the day. Like people like were driving by and especially like people in other BMWs, they were looking back. Like I drove past this dude in like a normal five series and he looks back with like, <laughs> with, like so much envy. His mouth is open. He's just like, <laughs> like what is, is that the new M5 CS? That's so cool. Oh, man. Yeah. For me, I've always been an M5 guy. It's been my halo car ever since Alex Roy set the cannonball record in it, creating to the insane legendary E39 M5 stories. Then Mm -hmm. the F10 M5 came another legendary car. And I really think the new current M5 as well, is it, I forget the G code for it, G20 M5. I don't know. But anyway, Mm -hmm. it's just so rad. And now we have the top spec version. Would you Mm -hmm. say it rides worse than a typical m5 uh because it's the cs version it's more track focused how's its daily ability compared to the standard car i feel like it's better than a normal m5 ride wise so like it feels sportier like it feels tighter but the suspension feels more like sophisticated in terms of like it's not bouncy mm. so it's not too hard to where it's like jarring um, whatever they did with the suspension it's just it's just very compliant that's so, awesome to hear so like when you're going fast, like you hit a bump or something, it smooths it out pretty well. And then when you're going slow, the bumps, the any imperfections in the road don't feel like it like is spine shattering in any way. It still feels like a good, comfortable M5. Uh, the seats are the most uncomfortable part. They're super aggressive, dude. And I'm like, I'm a pretty thin guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like cutouts. Yeah. I'd much yeah. rather have like massaging seats than cutouts in an M5. Right, dude. I'm like, dude, if Honda can make those seats in the Type R that are like insanely comfortable. Yes, great seats. Plus super supportive. I'm like, no one else has any excuse. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting one. BMW seats in general are very hit or miss for me and my body size. Uh, I remember driving an X3 almost a year ago being like, this is the worst steering wheel, the worst seats. Then <laughs> literally the week after I had a 330E and I'm like, this is the best steering wheel and the best seats. <laughs> Dude. Have you been in a new M3? 
Florida. No, we haven't. We haven't gotten one here in Colorado. And every time I go to LA, we get non BMWs. But I should oh. ask for one. Yeah, because those it's the same seats from those, and they're pretty aggressive. But um, like the new M3 is really good. It's really really good. It feels similar to this M5, but the M3 feels like a tiny tiny bit more like raw, just a mm. tiny bit. It just sounds a little bit more like. I don't know. It sounds more like ferocious. So what about an exhaust on the M5? Yeah, definitely put an exhaust on it. It's it's a little too quiet. So if you do exhaust and then just rip it like a BMW owner, it's going to be awesome. Oh, dude. Yeah. I think exhaust, maybe like a little tune, downpipe. You can make you know so much power with tunes. Basically, I think you need to put an upgrade. Well, now it's a torque converter. In the F10 M5, you have to put an upgraded, upgraded clutch pack in that car to make like seven, 800 horsepower. Yeah. Now, I think the torque converter just doesn't care. Might not shift as crisply, but it can handle the power. Dude, and, uh, yeah. a tune a tune on that thing would be disgusting because I saw a video <laughs> from uh, who was it? Like Throttle House has done a video. There's a few other people who've done like drag race videos with the M5, but Throttle House was crazy because they were in a Hellcat Red Eye, which is like 797 horsepower. Yep. And I watched this, dude. You see it? Like the yep. M5 pulled on it, like Smoked on the it. top end. Yep. That's the thing about M5s. And we actually had an M5 lined up in Germany and ran out of time because what I wanted to do was do the legends of the Autobahn. And I was going to do sort of the new electric Taycan, which is about the fastest EV you can do versus an M5 uh, competition, non-CS. And that's what we Mm -hmm. had reserved. And some, I, I remember talking to someone at BMW. I can't remember who it was back actually in the days when I would work there. And the M5, the legend goes, is pretty much uh, in the wintertime, anything can keep up with it. You know, any fast car, uh, you know, 911 turbos, whatever it is, they're right with the M5. In the summertime, in the extreme heat, the M5 walks everything. And that's because their thermal management is insane. They do boost compensation for altitude and thermals. And so that car is just an absolute monster on the top end. Dude, it's crazy because – so I'm – I'm looking this up. If it walks a red eye, which is 797 horsepower, the M5 comp is down like more than 100 horsepower, like well more than 100 horsepower. Yep. So how underrated would it have to be when it's only it's only like 300 pounds less than a red eye? Because red eye is 4,443 pounds. Yep. And the CS is 4,100 well, yeah, so, so you touched on a couple points. There's one, there's underrated. You're also looking at peak power. And so the mm-hmm. power curve of the M5 stays at full power longer throughout the rev band than a supercharged engine would because that only has a narrow window where it can make peak, peak, peak horsepower and torque. Um, would you mind turning the lights on? Sorry, they went out for us. Also, <laughs> <laughs> this happens every we got kicked out. Yeah. Telling ghost <laughs> yeah. stories, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, there's a, a drivetrain efficiency component and an aero component. So horsepower is, of course, one metric, but um, so many other things go into high-speed performance that BMW just like literally will obsess over, and Dodge is just like, let's do burnouts. Dude, that's nuts, though. <laughs> that's a crazy car. But yeah, so I had that, and then right after that, I got into that Mach-E GT, which... So I've driven and spent extensive time in Maki GT. What? So I, I I haven't watched your TikTok yet on it. 
but I heard and noticed something about the range or you're like, until this is fixed, you recommend the standard car, which I like the standard car, but yeah. not the GT. So where, what was your issue, I guess? So mine was, oh, dude, I'm getting so much heat over this video too. So my issue was I would never recommend a GT only because I assume if someone's going to buy the GT over the standard Mach-E, then they're after a more performance-oriented car, right? Because you're obviously not after more range because you would just right, go the standard Mach-E. Yeah, this, this would be the idea. You're after more acceleration because if you're after more performance, you'd buy the performance edition. Yes. So you're after straight line. Yeah. And so you probably know this. So whenever you floor it, right, staying at longer than five seconds, you can see those – because there's the power bar where it goes all the way up and then when you break, it goes green. So yep. it goes all the way up. And then these little bars appear indicating that there's like a cap right there. Like it can't yep. go past those little bars. Yep. So yeah, floor for five seconds, no matter state of charge, no matter how warm the car is, no matter how cold the car is, it does it every time. And did you find this out in your driving experience or because you read articles? I was watching a video with Edmonds. Yep. Dra drag racing the... Uh, but they had the performance edition. So there are a few people that yeah. comment and they're like, oh, if you get the performance edition, this is an issue. I'm like, no, it's an no, issue it's, on all GTs. Well, and technically okay. it would be more pronounced in the performance edition because it makes more torque. Yeah. And like the Model Y walked it, right? But then on top of that, I saw a video by Auto Top NL where they do the Autobahn stuff. Dude, this was so disappointing. Dude, <laughs> the Mach-E GT got walked by like a like a Skoda like a, Octavia or something. Yeah, it's basically a Passat wagon that's a Skoda. <laughs> Dude, it got walked. And yep. like people were ragging on that car in the comments. And I was like, dude, I was like, there's no way this is like a thing. So I went out and I floored it because I did notice. I was like, sometimes the car feels really, really fast. And then sometimes it just doesn't feel that fast. Like it feels kind of like, not like slow. It's still quick, but it doesn't give you that massive hit like it, it kind of feels just... like the standard car which is still pretty fast but it backs yeah. itself down yeah and so then i started seeing these little dots go back and forth and i was like what the heck is that and then i figured out that was like your power gauge and then yeah dude i floored it stayed in it and those bars appeared and i was like no way and what i didn't know is that once you hit 72 miles an hour exactly because i tried to figure out what mile an hour this was happening at you hit 72 and then like two little dots appear. And then the higher you go, like once you hit 80, there's like four dots now. And like the higher in speed you go, it also doesn't give you full power. So like right. I was on the highway going like 75, right? This little 330 IBMW comes up next to me and he just floors it, right? And so I floor it because I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna see if I can keep up with this guy. Welcome to California. Dude, I floor it and like, there's no chance at me catching that BMW, bro. It's a 330i. It's like 255 horsepower. That dude was gone. Even if he was <laughs> tuned, I'm like, dude, he still can't be tuned past like 350, 400. And like, he didn't have anything on his car. So you want to know why? I'll give you the long explanation because I went back and forth with Ford engineers about this for many hours. Mm -hmm. So the Mach-E GT uses very similar motors to the standard Mach-E. The front's okay. upsized a bit. And in the standard Mach-E, I always complained that this is a Mustang. And whenever I would drive it hard, it would go into turtle mode, physical turtle mode, which is experiencing what you experience, but staying in it for longer, like a rip up Angeles crest, where the car mm -hmm. would physically limit so much a turtle would display on the 
uh, turtle would display on the screen and it wouldn't accelerate. So it does and, that in the standard Mach-E too? Yeah, yeah, because it's it. Oh what it does gosh. is it does a amp hour calculation as to how much energy is flown in and out of the battery pack within a certain period of time. They call it some metric that I explained in my Mach-E GT review. Mm-hmm. And if you exceed this number over a period of time, the car has to limit its power to not go past its designed threshold. And what it's doing is it's not necessarily thermal overheating because many EVs, Model 3 Performance even, which has the best thermal management, Taycan, especially early Model S's, P100Ds, they would all show these dots at high speed after a long load because they would get hot. The stator would basically fry itself and it would cut power. And so that's not unusual. What's unusual with the Mach-E is that it happens on a time-based system because you're pulling this amount of energy in this time, and it's an algorithm that says, oh, well, things must be getting hot, so we're going to limit your power uh, intake. This is the same reason its charging curve can't maintain max power for so long because it exceeds this limit that's programmed into the cars. And so... Maki GT Performance, Maki Regular GT, amazing straight line acceleration cars for quick stints. But when you need to stay in it and rip it hard up a back road, you'll eventually back the car down into, thir- into turtle mode. Now, this is going to be optimized. I've been told by Darren Palmer over the years that, look, they get this. It's a really not big use case of the car to them. It would actually stop me personally from buying one because. Um, you know, driving and performance areas, especially up here in the canyons, thermal throttling or, or artificial thermal throttling to prevent things from overheating would really bother me. So the reason Ford does this time-based rather than a thermal deration is they are concerned that there are not enough temperature sensors throughout the entire drivetrain. Now, this is my understanding. I'm not quoting them word for word. Mm-hmm. Tesla doesn't do it this way. Tesla's like, We'll let you go as hard as you can until you reach the thermal capacity of whatever component, and then we'll dynamically ramp you down to stop that singular component from overheating. Ford is basically like, we don't put sensors on every centimeter of this drivetrain, so we're just thinking things might get hot, so we're going to pull you back in case something does get hot. And this might be something they adapt over the time through over-the-air updates, but it's the single biggest problem of Maki for me personally. I'm surprised you ran into it. I actually expected you to say range <laughs> rather than um, uh, uh, sort of acceleration, but I think the range on Maki is pretty good. Yeah, the Maki GT range is pretty solid. I mean, especially considering I've been hammering it like all the time. Um, I was still getting close to like 200 miles of range. So, and a big SUV, 200 miles of range of flogging yeah, it is good. Yeah, yeah it's really good. So the range wasn't the big issue. That was the big issue is like when I wanted to, I mean, when I wanted to have fun with it. And plus like, yeah, it, it is weird. Cause you can like dramatically feel that drop off in power. Like you feel it, especially once those bars appear. And then once you go into the unbridled extend, it basically puts the cap on it right away. So that's what unbridled extend does. It basically says you can, it, what it's doing is it's artificially killing the throttle, which you could do manually. Instead of going full throttle, you could go 50 to 70% throttle yourself mm-hmm. and cap, you know, basically prevent yourself from hitting this thermal or this uh, proposed amp hour in and out of the battery pack limitation. Mm-hmm. And so all it's doing is it's just extending the time that your foot can be at full throttle, but you need to be in a very specific window to even activate unbridled extend. If you accelerate mm-hmm. too hard on the highway, uh, it's grayed out. Can't get into it. 
And to yep. me, this is crazy. What I would do if I were Ford, and I told them this too, and they don't need to listen to me. They're probably way smarter than I am. But what I said was Tesla gives me a track mode, which means it's going to do everything it can to keep the car as cold as possible. And I'm just going to drive the crap out of it. And it'll just do whatever it needs to do to protect, prevent itself from exploding. And that's what unbridled extend should do, but it doesn't. Yeah. That, I'm making a video about that going up tomorrow, actually, because someone's like, oh, you didn't try unbridled extend. No, I was like, my video going up tomorrow, basically just like, oh, no, it's it's kind of kind of worse than unbridled extend because it gives you that immediate permanent cap until you turn the mode off. And then in the video, I didn't think this would work. I was like, dude, how crazy would it be if just one acceleration knocks you out of the mode? And that's exactly what it happened, does. dude. Yep. So I turn it off and I was like, okay, watch what happens when I turn it off. I accelerate one time in the video. And then during that acceleration, like two seconds in, you can see on the screen, it grays out. Yeah. So I had major issue that, with this when I reviewed the Mach-E GT. I was really disappointed with the entire you know, thermal strategy of the system. That's basically what they're preventing is overheating with this strategy. And what I've kind of come to believe is that no one buying a Mach-E GT actually drives hard. There's like one guy in the forums that cares about quarter mile times and then no one else. And they just drive them around because they bought the best one. That's and what's so, interesting is that I think like Mach-E is, be- is so popular. It was met with so much criticism and now it's shifted to so many people tend to love it. But those people are not the people pushing it to the extent that you should be able to push a Mustang. Which ironically, they're driving it like a lot of Mustang owners drive their Mustangs. It's just a nice, comfortable, can be sporty compared to a Civic, compared to a Corolla hatch, like, or, or even what? compared to other electric cars. It is a sporty car. And if you yeah. drive it hard in most people's eyes, the 95%, you'll never reach this thermal limit. It's people like Forrest and me and you, Jordan and Austin, that want to go wide open throttle and throw the car around. And Honestly, I don't think people do that. Ford gets that, and they honestly designed the car for the target target audience. I can't fault them for that. What I can fault them for is branding it as a performance vehicle that's not. <laughs> and yeah, so that, that, that was down to. That was my thing. I'm just like, why rate it at 480 horsepower when technically it's like 480 horsepower, sometimes 240 horsepower if you stay in it for – because it cuts it by like half. Yeah. And then – on the highway, you're technically at like 90%. So you're like at 413, 415 horsepower. So I'm like, why not just make it a like 400 horsepower car that can do 400, like stomping on it all the time and then give it like a boost mode that it can do for It's because it's the motors that they buy from. Uh, I think they're Continental Motors. I can't remember exactly who they source them from. Give them specs that the manufacturer can use. These aren't Ford designed and engineers motors. So my guess is- Interesting. So they have to stick within the, the supplier's guidelines of how to utilize the motor systems. And they probably buy enough where they have some influence over this. I hope for F-150 battery electric lightning towing sake that this limitation on thermals is not there because mm. this thing needs to tow. You know, TFL is going to put this truck in the Ike Gauntlet test up I-70 at max capacity and pull up this hill at 60 or 70 miles an hour. I think they do 60, 65. I don't remember. Um, but basically that truck can't thermal throttle. If it does, no one will respect electric ever. And, uh, they no. have temperature gauges in F-150 lightning. I've seen from when I was in there. So I think they've kind of figured it out. So you just know that if, if that truck thermal throttles, I guarantee you <laughs> the cyber truck will not. 
<laughs> yeah, so it's Tesla's will. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Tesla's any, just waiting. They're waiting to see the competition. I think. <laughs> so so every EV will thermal throttle. I mean, there's never been one released in history that won't get to a, a throttling standpoint. It's just, uh-huh. you know, it's sort of one of those things where if you never want it to overheat, you have to break your nominal power half and then a boost to full. I think that's why the ME died, Kyle, because you ripped it. And then I got in and drove 100 yards and it was just, nope, I'm out. So actually, it's you gone. a good point, Jordan. <laughs> the one vehicle that I've never been able to thermal throttle is my electric smart car. I've done like <laughs> 10 or 12 consecutive laps, which is 20 or 30 miles, a full charge of wide open, full regen braking around our track. And it just gave me full power the whole time. But it doesn't make very much. And yeah. so, you know, any EV at speed, of course, will pretty much show the lines. Even Model 3 will at max speed because inverter efficiency decreases with high speed. Um but, but I totally agree with you, Forrest. The, the Mach-E thermal and, and power distribution, or I should say power load percentage of time is totally inexcusable for what's marketed as a performance version of the car. Now, if you want to tell me the rear-wheel drive and the Mach-E extended range go into thermal throttling when you drive it hard, look, I get it, but make the GT rip and for as long as possible. Yeah, that's my thing. Is That's my biggest thing is I'm like, I don't care if the normal Mustang did it, but this is a GT. And the GT is supposed to be like, the GT is a freaking GT. Everyone knows what a Mustang GT is about. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's electric, SUV, but you throw a GT badge on there and a Mustang badge on it's there. It's got to do a certain minimum level of requirements, which to us <laughs> is different than Ford's minimum level, apparently. Yeah, very different. It's funny now that you live in a world where the Tesla is like the more performancey, even well, though the Tesla of, doesn't handle nearly as well. Tesla's kind of hung their hat on that for a while and they've done that very, very well. I think like you said, Kyle Ford has done a very specific thing for the Mach-E for the majority of the buyers. And maybe the majority of the performance buyers are still buying gas and they don't worry about that percentage of performance for the electric Mustang when they're still offering the gas Mustang, I don't know. When I was selling Teslas, I sold P100Ds to people that didn't care at all about performance. They just mm-hmm. wanted the top trim level, and they knew that the P100D or the performance, whatever, whenever whatever uh, trims you're familiar with, <laughs> they would sell those. I would sell those because they just wanted the thing that went the fastest. And like you said, Forrest, 450 horsepower is a marketed number. It may not be that hardly ever, but it sells if it's better than the the uh, comparable comparable gas Mustang, that's something that the salesman can use at least. So I don't know. I, I think I agree, Kyle, wholeheartedly. If it's called the GT, it should be able to do GT things all the time. But I understand what Ford is doing from a business sense of throttling it super early, almost preventatively, um, because the majority use case for those cars is going to be around town, hardly ever driven quickly, maybe a, a pull from a stoplight every now and then. With that said, there's a couple saving graces here. The first is this car accepts over-the-air software updates to almost every module. So these Mm -hmm. are things that they can learn, get fleet data, and then open up. They've already done this with the battery pack capacity. It used to be 99 kilowatt hours installed. That can't change capacity. But they let you use 88 kilowatt hours before. Now, through an over-the-air update, I believe, maybe a dealer visit, I think it's over-the-air, they let you use 91 kilowatt hours of the battery pack. And so that's really sweet. So yeah, Maki is a story that's going to be unfolding for years to come. I'm looking forward to it. And, um, Forrest's dog is going crazy. 
Maki. <laughs> so I'll, I'll put him on mute. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, look, Maki GT is a car I recommend to everyone. I love this car. People want, they say, I want a sporty car that looks great. That's kind of special. That's pretty hot. It's kind of like a hatchback. It's sweet. It is. I think so cool. the, GT, oh, so the GT looks so much better than the standard that if you're willing <laughs> to spend that, that money, it's worth it to just get the appearance of a GT just because like the wheels, just the little, uh, little bits and pieces you get. You know what the I biggest difference is, is the mag ride in the performance edition, which Forrest, you drove on the launch transformative to that car so that why settles down the rear end so the price difference between gt and dg performance is that still only five thousand dollars yeah it's just spend the money you get better why? looking wheels you get better seats and you get better suspension yeah why would and you not power. get the performance you're already spending that much just a little bit more yeah that's the thing you just, you just <laughs> go for it and you ignore it the biggest problem though is, is supply i think they're hard to get still you that's know regular Machis are for sale all across the country maybe at markups at certain dealers maybe not uh, my friend Brian, who uh, works at, at our building where our office is, uh, ordered a GT and a GT Performance. He gave his GT to his friend, and he will keep the Performance Edition, which should come in any day now. So we'll film some things with his car, hopefully, and some initial ownership updates. And, you know, for Brian, the GT Performance, again, I don't think he's going to be shredding it up, Risk Canyon, and drifting it around. He just wanted the best one, the coolest Mach-E, and it's going to be, you know, a perfect car for him. It'll be great to see it in front of the office every day. Have they adjusted the charging curve yet where it doesn't throttle after 80? Like they're going to do it after yeah. 90, right? Yeah. So now I believe that it holds 45 kilowatts to 90. Um, that's that's what's fascinating too is like we saw that in the uh, Volvo XC40 where an over-the-air update improved charging experience. Yeah, that car is significantly better. And actually, Jordan, I just talked to uh, my friend who runs Volvo Fleet for mm -hmm. press and they're sending us an XC40 recharge. It's literally on a truck coming here right now. I had no idea. He's just like, by the way, this is coming to your office. <laughs> is it sage green? <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. Actually, it might even be the same car we had in LA. Oh, nice. Dude, Jordan talked about sage green XC40 recharges. We have like three of them here. It's the perfect color for the perfect car. Agreed. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess uh, we'll, we'll shift to what we drove a bit. And I am curious for us to get your thoughts on the, the Bronco. We just had the Bronco, or we still have it actually, the uh, first edition. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just it's stunning. I'm not, I'm not a big blue car person, but seeing oh, dude, I blue, think I had that same one. A blue vehicle in the snow. Oh, it just looks so good. Um, and it's awesome. And it's, you know, we'll talk about the Ford Bronco Raptor in a minute, but just this Bronco specifically, uh, Kyle, now that we've had it a week, how are you feeling? Um, I don't know if I would buy it, but yeah. I want everyone else to buy it. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to see more on the road. Objectively, this is the best off-roader on the market. Mm -hmm. I think it's, got great power although not a very charismatic engine i think it's the best looking new car on sale you know mm -hmm. sto included, Ooh, M5 nice included this thing for its purpose looks insane so cool it's on Can't 35 we? inch tires and i actually think it looks better than the new raptor that just launched which i think looks a little bit weird hashtag shot on iphone 12 so last year's old crap model with no filter or editing whatsoever. And Jim Farley liked your photo of this one. Yes. <laughs> so the CEO of Ford said, this is a good photo. Yeah. Where? Really cool. What was that on? Twitter? Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, that's probably why I'm not even on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> Forrest is on a Twitter. Man. <laughs> Dude, that is a sick photo, though. That looks super good. So it was photo. it was amazing because we went to the trails uh, Saturday with mud tires, which aren't really great in snow. But the Broncos like, I don't care. And it just did everything. <laughs> Truly so insane, cool. right? Because there was not even just snow. There was an inch of like or three or four inches ice, of ice. Yeah underneath the snow and yeah sometimes we had no like we were just sliding around but it was so competent there the lights go again it was so <laughs> competent at everything that it did off-road we put it in baja mode and we're jumping it literally all four wheels off the ground over these whoops at just wide open throttle sliding it around it was a monster and now they have a crazier one the raptor which is insane yeah I'm the, the headlights right are really cool the amber lights yeah, on the Raptor. It's this it and an M5CS. They got that so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing. Look at the flex on that 37-inch tires. I mean, it definitely looks good. I just don't like the plastic fenders that are so wide. I get they have to do it, of course. I would have liked to see some different, you know, just a full wide body. Rather this than is such a body. wide vehicle. It's, uh, what, eight inches wider than the normal one, four to five inches wider than the, you know, the big Sasquatch package, like the first edition was equipped. Yeah. 37s from the factory. So now the biggest tire that's ever been offered from a, on an SUV from the factory. It's just so freaking cool. And so people are going to put for, the 40s on it now because they always go up from factory size. Oh, Timon's like, thinking 42s at least. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing about the Bronco that I've learned because I'd like to talk about this one a little bit. This is car, this exact car I drove uh, when it was freshy fresh. We had it out here for an event and now it has 9,000 miles on it. It's like a lot. And it's been ragged on. You can tell like everyone's just done everything with this thing. All the wheels are curved. It's been jumped. It's done everything. And it feels pretty solid overall. The transmission's a little clunky at low speed. I think that's just because of all the, probably the launches this thing's had on it. But it's unbelievably torquey. It has the best HVAC system of any combustion vehicle in the cold that I've ever driven. It gets hot instantly. The heated steering wheel is hot instantly. The key range for the vehicle is enormous. I can start this thing from here and it's like a half a mile away. Um, And the key will even give you a little green light so you know that the car accepted it if it's out of view, which is amazing. So I really am like as a daily driver, it's got a fairly good sound system if it's set properly. It has Mm -hmm. to be the right type of music for a car with doors that come off. And really the only thing that I don't quite understand is they put the window switches in the center like a Jeep that has because the doors come off. But why would you ever want to roll the window down if the door's off? See, I never got that either, which is really funny to me. I mean, basically it saves them electronics and engineering extra electronics through the door. Yeah. It doesn't I really guess. make sense, but so there's some things I love about this that it does better than the Jeep. One is obviously, you know, I loved watching the unveil for this thing because it was just constant. The Ford Bronco. Yeah, it, it was just constant like, hey, you know how you take your doors off your Jeep and your mirrors go to? Well, yeah, we didn't do that. We got the mirrors on the car itself. And then even taking the doors off the Bronco, you roll the window down and then you take the door off and it's just a little, you know, try rectangle. Um, the jeep is the whole thing pulls off and you have yeah it's it's got the frame on it still the, yeah. the pure jeep slander that went on was incredible yeah um i will say jeep technically has a better sound system if you get if you're comparing 
premium to premium, but this is still, like Kyle said, really good for the type of vehicle it is. Dude, can uh, I just say I would never daily drive a Jeep ever even consider it. I actually hate them. Wranglers, <laughs> and then this I'm so into. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just great. Um, I, so I wonder if we would all disagree with what Bronco we would actually I was, go I was going to say, let's go around the horn and I want everybody to say what Bronco <laughs> they Let's would buy, it. including the Raptor. Raptor's on the table now because they announced it. Okay. Oh, um, here, I'll, I'll start with me because I made a meme about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, the four-door is great. The big engine's great. But I would have the two-door with the small engine and the manual. That's, yeah. Well, that's silly because I would have, (laughs) look, I don't like the four cylinder and I don't like the six cylinder. Maybe the Raptor engine is hot enough for me to be into that, especially with the exhaust. And I would probably go for the Raptor just because I like to buy the top, whatever it is. They hold their value. They're a little bit special and they tend to do better for YouTube, of course. Um, But I think like if I wasn't a YouTuber and I was just a guy and I was going to keep this thing, I'd go manual four cylinder, but four door and get maxed out with everything. Okay, nice. I'm with Jordan. Two-door, four-cylinder, seven-speed manual. Like, hardly any options. I think that's the way to do it. Austin Austin would probably do almost base, like Steelys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do Steelys. It does look good on Steelys. There you go. Throw the biggest tire possible on it and probably lift (laughs) it a foot. Yeah. (laughs) I I like the white top, dude. That looks sick. Yeah. I, I would color match it to my Fiesta, and then I'd have two of the <laughs> coolest. Sorry, Jordan, when you said you didn't like blue cars, that kind of hurt. But I'd have the cool, the twoest, ooh, the twoest, the coolest two blue Fords on the market, both turbos, both manuals. That's a, that's a hell of a garage. That's true. What about yeah, you, Forrest? I would probably go. You're I'd a probably go, man. I'd probably go wild track, honestly. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Like, I think the Raptor is cool. I'm sure it'll be great. Well, two door right or four door, though? I'd go two door, probably. Well, okay. Yeah. Y'all are depends wrong. On my, depends on my life situation. <laughs> depends on my life situation. But you gotta if have I needed door. four doors, if I needed four doors, I'd go four door. If I didn't need four doors, I'd definitely go two door for better breakover. Uh, but yeah, you I, can solve breakover with speed, okay? And bigger wheels. And bigger wheels, yeah. <laughs> no, but I definitely we, want all the options for sure. A two-door would look so dumb on 40s. Can we just picture that? <laughs> can we get somebody to Photoshop that? I'm sure someone's going to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure, dude. Yeah, yeah, so what's interesting is the Raptor Bronco has the 3-liter, but doesn't the F-150 have a 3.5? Yeah, so the three liter is a newer engine, though. Yes. Like it's it's a basically more bored out two point seven. Yes. With what like a basically a new tune and an anti lag and like a straight pipe in Baja mode. By the oh. way, I drove this Bronco in Baja mode on the street, shredding up a canyon, which you would never say you did in a JL. Yeah. <laughs> Got to beat stars. Um, and so I shredded this Bronco down a canyon behind time the other day. And I was like getting full tire squeal and it was level and it was oversteery and it was on boil. And the thing with this transmission is it's got 10, 10 ratios. And so that's just too many. So what I did was I just left it in drive and put my foot to the floor and it figured it out in Baja mode. It was great. 
Yeah, and the this one they're optimizing Baja mode to have minimal turbo lag, like the least bit possible. Um, and what was so cool, I mean, I not to like shout out Doug too much, but Doug Demiro had a great video on this the first day, which he doesn't do all oh, the time. We can never shut out Doug enough. <laughs> I love Doug. He's my he, favorite. Yeah, he like. did a great video, and you know, he loves interesting things, so that's who I go to to find interesting things. And the fact that this is over 80 inches wide, which means by federal mandate, it has to have additional lights because yeah, same it's same as TRX, same as Raptor yeah. F-150. Yeah, you know, approaching semi-truck dimensions. So you have to add like the the three lights in the front, the three lights in the rear, and the side lights on the mirrors. Uh, it This just looks so freaking cool. And I personally like, I, I personally don't like the silver thing on the bottom. I get, I get why they do it, um, but I would probably prefer that just black but it just looks so great especially in this what code orange is that what they call it um i yeah i'm enthralled. can't wait to drive it we'll get one for just the, the launch it was a small though so is the three liter that they introduced on it or that they introduced that's that's fairly new on it is it a twin turbo as well like the raptor or is it just single turbo twin okay the twin spoolie boy <laughs> so the thing with the 2.7 that we have in ours is it's very laggy and it doesn't yeah. have much character so this will be good and it doesn't like to rev i mean it makes so much mid-range torque that it up this at like 4500 and so if you put it in manual mode you can rev it all the way out you can tell it loses power but it sounds better and then you're just like plus button plus button plus button plus button and it's just annoying you're just nah, nah, nah. that's why i get the manual because I, I wouldn't want to manually shift through what 10 speeds nine it's speeds. so annoying it's the worst part yeah. of the whole car put six gears in it six really good ones yeah, well, it's got the manual has the seven seven speed because it's got a crawl gear, which is so cool. And I would just keep it in crawl going around town just because I'm not <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'd be straight pipe too. Mine would be so you know. You doesn't this have the society? Doesn't this have paddle shifters too? I think they're bringing that to this. Yeah, that would be a nice. workout ten speed with paddle shifters. I wonder if it's the same transmission though. Probably not. You think it's the same trans as like a Raptor? Well, I think it's all pretty much the same base. It just has different different gears, perhaps different ratios. But it's probably I love the same that, I love that the exhaust is going to be you know have different modes. Just everything about this is cool. Looking forward to seeing them this week, Jordan. What? What else happened this week? Uh, with us. Uh, <laughs> Do we have any other news? So yeah, this is Hell speaking yeah. of speaking of power, <laughs> speed and power. This is America. 20, yeah, America. Wait, before you introduce this, before you introduce oh, this, mm-hmm. we are introducing something that GM has slept on for the last 15 years out of pure stupidity for not understanding <laughs> their market. <laughs> Okay, enter the 2023 Cadillac Escalade V series with supercharged V8. It should have been the first V ever produced Wait, ever. Everyone so is will this, buy this. Is this V series like GT line? Like it's not a, a Cadillac V. It's not like it's a Blackwing, but it's a V series. Okay. This thing rips. Have you seen this thing? Maybe they don't want to say it handles well, but it's got a supercharged V8 I think, that freaking screams. And Kyle, I'm you're so right. Them. This is such a missed opportunity. I think Hennessy has been doing these with like Lincolns and Cadillacs for a they minute got it. now. Yes, they sell a lot of. Yeah, people want big ass cars. Look, we've owned Escalades. You kind of call suburbs a little bit. Yeah. Used to commute up to Vermont, you know, my whole childhood in high school, and yeah, you know, I was 
privilege. We had two houses. Everyone in Connecticut had a freaking Escalator Suburban. They would commute up to Vermont and every single one of them would buy this at that time. I mean, like, they, no it's already got the big, like, especially the older ones. They already had the big motor in them. Why not just put a blower on it? You know, they yeah, already so they had LSs the in them. Yep. So you yeah. had the 6.2 that you used to only get if you got the GMC Yukon back in 2007 or the Escalade. Otherwise, you got the 5.3 of the Chevy. And then with the 6.2, you got the six-speed auto, which was a huge upgrade. So we got like an 07 Suburban. I remember this back in the day because it was the first year, the first gen. We like had to get the new Suburban. It was an LTZ, super nice truck. And then I don't know if my dad didn't do his research or what, but we only had it for like a year. And he's like, oh, the Escalade's got the 400 horsepower 6.2 with the six speed. So then we swapped into the Escalade. But I guarantee you, if that thing had the CTS V motor in it with 550 horsepower, whatever it was at the time, every single person would have bought that. GM would be significantly wealthier as a company if they had produced this vehicle 15 years ago. It also would be about 15 degrees warmer outside right now. <laughs> it just looks so good and i know we, we make fun of like there's too many suvs but at the same time there's a lot of really good looking suvs now here's the thing there's not enough big ass suvs there's yeah. no version anymore so this is yep. the largest it's the suburban the escalade esv and the yukon xl i just said escalade really weird um that those <laughs> Nothing competes with. You can't buy a GLS and say, yeah, I'm, I'm comparing it to an Escalade ESV. There's just nothing big. Even Expedition Max isn't as big as these. It's crazy how much smaller the Wagoneer was than this, or, or than just you know a standard base Suburban and way more expensive than the standard base Suburban. Yeah, but did you see today there's spy shots of the Grand Wagoneer, which is the long <laughs> one. So it has a longer name. <laughs> <laughs> is that what they're calling it please don't no but that's the way it. i would put it it's just a million e's because it's yeah. a long one it's great marketing, <laughs> it's funny marketing yeah. dude. wow no i yeah. agree though i think that's an awesome awesome vehicle and dude especially in america where like everyone just wants massive amounts of like room i mean dude it's basically a supercharged condominium just rolling cheap <laughs> gas and all ass right this thing will sit on the texas highways at 120 miles an hour with karen behind the wheel weaving through traffic in dallas more it's like this will be Dallas going 43 miles an hour on the highway because whoever <laughs> has it just bought it because it's the nicest thing to get and they're not actually gonna drive it but it, i actually i think this is going to be the perfect like angry karen car and they will just wide open <laughs> throttle everywhere they get a the Cadillac lots are going to be full of just G AMG G wagons because this That's is so bigger hard. and they can fit more of their children into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a missed opportunity about time. This shouldn't even be news that there's a new Escalade V. Um, it's, it's a great way for Cadillac to differentiate their brand over the GMC offering because without this, I would go for the Yukon XL personally uh, over at Escalade ESV because same engine. I'd probably get the diesel, but now that this is a thing, 100% V all the way. Yeah, dude. Like, imagine these just flooring it from a stoplight, and like, you already know this thing's gonna just like back squat like crazy, dude. Just <laughs> nose in the air. I photo that spy video of one like wide open throttle by that guy. Did you see no. that? Oh, no. exactly as you described. Full squat, right up facing the moon on the front end, and just <laughs> big, meaty power out at the, at the sound. It was amazing. You remember those arcade games where like, 
with the steering wheel and you would like double tap the accelerator yeah, and then you just pop go absolutely yep. <laughs> and you, if you hit another car in the back you do a backflip yep, yeah that's I wonder if that happens yeah Karen, you you do a backflip. <laughs> that's all you're gonna see. <laughs> oh geez well yeah one more thing i wanted to mention really quick um it's not big news but this just looks super cool this is a cayenne turbo s formula e safety car no it's not a cayenne <laughs> turbo s look uh, at sorry. the picture again Ty tycon same vowel pronunciations different you know consonants <laughs> around almost them. the same letters too Ty yeah yeah tycon turbo s formula e safety car this looks so freaking cool which i also hope dubai gets some of these for their police force i'm they sure they already have, already have yeah, they probably have yeah. a whole bunch of them <laughs> um that's how i would personally wrap mine is just dubai police livery um but it's almost like a martini racing livery is what <laughs> yeah. that looks like yeah stole the colors yeah definitely um kyle you attended formula e what was it last year um, yeah, is that still like? Aren't they making some changes to that? Like, how? What's the state of Formula E? Because we're in that weird stage of like Formula One, but also Formula E, and E is supposed to be the future. I don't know what to expect from this. At, at the end of the day, it's gotten some Americans interested in racing. I went to the Brooklyn race, mm -hmm. very European, large presence, but more Americans than you would expect to see. At the end of the day, Formula One is also creating big popularity here in the U.S. Um, for them to tout this as like some sort of efficiency environmental race, that's not the case because you got to fly these suckers over across the world everywhere. And like you got boxes and logistics. And this is such a dirty sport that not even racing an electric car is going to make up for it. Um, to me, I thought it was kind of silly. There was really a little bit of noise, a little bit of fanfare for 45 minutes. And I spent the whole weekend there. It was great <laughs> to meet some of the teams, but I think the real money is still in Formula One. I talked to um, Ola, who is the the head of Daimler, basically Mercedes-Benz Group, uh, you know, chairman of the board about this. And he was saying, um, first off, the nicest man on the planet. And he's a huge racing fan. He pulled out of Formula E with Mercedes because he's like, eventually Formula One will go electric and we're developing more technology and getting more benefit out of Formula One than we are with Formula E. There's just bigger budgets, more viewership. And now you have this electric boost systems, electric turbochargers. There's a lot more real world innovation coming out of Formula One than there is Formula E. And this year, I know we're going to see a huge partnership with Formula E and ABB that will include a charging stop optional, I think, don't quote me on this. This is just me gathering bits and pieces of information that I shouldn't have got. But basically, I think you're going to be able to go for an efficiency race or rip, charge, and then rip again, cannonball style. Uh, and ABB is developing all the charging hardware and connectors and proprietary charging systems to do this. But again, this all has to be run off diesel generators. It's not like it's clean and green. Honestly, I think the money's in Formula One and Formula E is just kind of like this thing that's trying to make money for no reason and no benefit. <laughs> yeah, Formula One has exploded, especially with the Drive to Survive series on Netflix, yeah. which I know Austin's been watching a I've lot actually, of. Well, that's helped a lot in the U.S. Binge-watched the entire first season two nights ago, midway <laughs> through the second season. Um, I, Kyle, do you think that Formula E might be doing it as a almost a cash grab trying to cash in on some of what Formula One has going? Because I agree. I think Formula One will just pivot because it's not going to be just like you said, a all at once we're going full electric. They're already kind of building some of those things. And and I really I think a huge part of Formula One is the ridiculous motors. It always has been. It's the sound um, that people are just like it's intoxicating. It's incredible. 
Um, I don't know. As as interesting as Formula E is because there's so many different rules and uh, like additions into it to kind of make it interesting. I don't know. I think Formula One is is probably going to stick around and make the pivots it needs to to stay relevant. Yeah, I think Formula One's going to smash Formula E one day. We'll look back and say that was silly. Um, but <laughs> I, I really do, and I hate to say this because I know the guys at Formula E, and I know the teams, and I've I've been to races, and I'm involved with it. Like I I am a fan. I just don't think it has much market relevance with what's going on today. Um, yeah, I, I hate to say that too, but it's just the honest truth. Like I'm not just going to, you know, Formula One's where the money's at, where the innovation is. Formula E is drivetrains that are all off the shelf. They're battery packs that are all supplied by Ativa, Lucid. And um, it's not like the teams have that much influence over stuff they already know from Formula One, which is aero and braking and logistics. And so yeah. what are they really learning from Formula E other than the PR image of them, you know, supporting or participating in an e-mobility sport that kind of got some buzz on, among the niche EV people? Not even really that much me. I don't know. I, I, I think it'll be great to see this season. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last. Um, they're working hard. It's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to go big viewership or it's going to die. It's at the teeter-totter point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Great show, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Out of Spec podcast. That says and, the lights uh, die. <laughs> yeah. Kyle's being kicked out. The lights are off. Um, yeah. Thanks, Forrest, for joining us again. And uh, we'll, uh, yeah. Oh, find uh, Forrest on Instagram, Forrest Auto Reviews. Of course, Austin's at Flywheel Films. Kyle is at It's Kyle Connor on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, Jordan underscore Schiefer. And a lot of stuff out of spec, the whole umbrella of all the things we do, out underscore of underscore spec. Big year for out of spec this year. Stay tuned. Yeah, you got Gary in the background there. Buy all the boxes for e-mobility. There's a lot happening. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining in, and we'll see you all in the next one. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.